0: Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationship, or just your life, this is the place for you. We will talk all things burnout by sharing deep stories of personal transformation each week with a new guest who vows to share their stories without leaving out the scary bits. This is raw, honest, and brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Donovan, whose own experiences make her determined to change the current burnout culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast, where we talk all things burnout, the nitty, the gritty, and everything in between. Today, I am talking to Serena Talbot, who is a rapid transformational therapist, soon to be moving to Oregon. She has four girls, three of whom are teenagers. Through rapid transformational therapy, she helps people overcome emotional pain without taking forever or reliving the past. Her own healing journey from running herself ragged, trying to prove her worth after growing up with abuse is what led her to rapid transformational therapy in the first place. Serena, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to hold space for your story.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my story is about... Twelve years ago, and I was twenty-five, almost twenty-six. I uh, started a homeless shelter. So we live in a rural area in Wisconsin, and I had no idea about rural homelessness that it was a thing. And uh, my husband and I owned rental, and so we heard about homelessness, and we thought, well, okay, well, we have a house, and there are people who are homeless in our community, so we'll we'll open a homeless shelter. How hard can it be? <laughs> and- I expected it to be, you know, okay, we'll take people who are homeless and they'll be able to save money and we'll have classes and mentors and they can get jobs and it'll all work out great. And, and we, I also, at that same time, met a woman who w- was willing to be, uh, like live at the house with the women. It was a, it was a, a small operation. It wasn't like a big facility, like again, again, cause we were in a rural area. And so I started that with three little kids and within the first year got pregnant with my fourth daughter and I was doing everything. The fundraiser, speaking around the community, writing grants, we were creating the programs because a lot of homeless shelters, a lot of programs that help people kind of get out of homelessness are for single women or single men. And and we had moms, which is a little different if for programs. So anyway, um I was doing volunteer training, hiring employees and doing the intake, like doing everything. And at some points we would have enough funding where we could hire employees and and we always had volunteers and with volunteers you have, you know, it's not a job. So if they have something come up, it's not dependable, you know, yeah. Uh, person to depend on when they're coming. And so, if someone didn't show up, a lot of times I was showing up. And so, having four small children and doing this, and because of my belief system that this was, you know, a nonprofit and it was something that was serving and giving, like I had this belief I couldn't take money. So, I didn't get paid, uh, which was super stressful. And I was just, I ran myself absolutely ragged, which to me, looking back now, I'm amazed I lasted five years, (laughs) but I did. And the thing about, the thing about this is it was open 24 seven. So I might get calls a couple of times. I got calls at like 2 AM and it, there was never a moment that I wasn't thinking about it. And it was super stressful. And when I had my youngest daughter uh, she was two days old and I got out of the hospital and there was, um, we had the women living in the home and there would always be staff there or volunteers 24 seven and somebody couldn't show up. And so I took my daughter, I went and she's two days old. And <laughs> now if I saw myself, then I would be like, what were you thinking? But I just believed that I had to do it or nobody else would. Um, and so after five years, I was done. I was just toast. I was like, I can't do another fundraiser. And i had been trying to find someone to like take over my position, you know, to be the director or whatever, but it was also like my baby. So I wouldn't let it go. Like I, I needed help desperately, but I was holding on to control. So it was this just horrible situation because I was it, I was like, well, I made it and no one can do it as well as me and and I have to do it. And I was so driven with the need to get approval from this and my self-worth was wrapped up in it. So the idea of letting it go, even though that was the exact thing I needed to do, was super hard for me. Yeah. And so when things would go well and we'd do a wonderful fundraiser, we'd get amazing donations, I'd be like, "Yay, I'm doing great. And then when something went wrong or there was a struggle or one of the women chose to leave, I would feel devastated. So my self-worth was all wrapped up in this and totally burned out. And so after five years, we closed and it was the best thing that ever happened (laughs) uh, for me. There were so many lessons like that I'm still learning, but the biggest one was I really got this message. So with me, my healing is talking to my intuition, right? This connection that I have with the truth which I wasn't living in at all at <laughs> that moment. But when it closed, it was like I just heard a voice say, "Serena, you need to learn that you're valuable when you're not doing anything." And I had never learned that and and part of the reason that I started the homeless shelter for women was because of the way I grew up, my mom was in an abusive relationship until I was six. And then she divorced um, my dad, but we grew up in poverty and I had a lot of issues. And until the uh, Naomi house was what we called it until that closed, I thought, Oh, that's all in the past. I've already dealt with that. I'm, I'm ready to help other people. But as this, uh, when this closed, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like there's a lot of things that, that I actually did wrong because I had been blaming everyone else. And it's because of my past and it all came up to the surface. And that's what I had um, shared with you. I really believe like business is running a business, whether it's a nonprofit or a small business or a big business, whatever it is, is a healing journey. And it really a couple of years before it closed it's just been starting to bring so many things up you know i would be triggered by the women because it was so close to how i grew up and i had struggled with trusting people with relationships with the people on our board and the people who came along to help and the people who were donating and so it was bringing all those things up and and when it closed i realized okay i need to do some major work and so we had some of the um videos about boundaries and um, healing that we would have our clients go through, the women who live there go through. And I started, I was like, okay, I need help. So I started all the things. I read books and I did a life skills program and I did counseling and I did so many things. And like I said, I'm so grateful for that. It was the best thing that ever happened because it made me able now to be in my self-worth regardless of the circumstances. And that was not something that was a part of my life before this.
0: When you uh, wrote to me in the beginning, I was struck by a couple of things. And one of the things that you wrote was, I had anxiety, even though I'd never call it that. And that matches up with something that you were saying now, like, oh, that's all in the past. I've dealt with it. This is a very common theme that keeps coming up. Things that we sort of assume that we've already gone through. You know, if, if you have to say, oh no, I've already gone through that, like chances
1: are you're wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. And, in, and even now when I, I, I work and I help a lot of women with anxiety, I don't call it that because we just don't recognize it. To me, somebody who had anxiety was someone who was like over in the corner, like having a panic attack. And I had no idea I had it until it healed and what anxiety looked like for me was so for me like if my self-worth is wrapped up in this business that I'm doing on the good days it was like oh good now I'm good enough but I never really felt good enough and on the bad days I was devastated and thinking that I was not valuable because this thing wasn't good enough and so It was that anxiety, but it was also, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop thinking about this organization from the moment I woke up in the morning till when I went to sleep at night. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be present, which I think is a really big deal, uh, symptom of anxiety. I couldn't be present when I was running the business, but also when I was at home, I couldn't shut it off. I would come home and I could work on the computer easily, you know, while my kids were watching TV or when they were sleeping. And I would think about it when I, even when I was playing with my kids, like I wasn't able to be present with them because I was worried and thinking about this business all the time. And also I was very critical of myself. Like I was, no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. Like even when we got great donations and I felt good, it was temporary. It could be broken very easily depending on what somebody said about us, or if um, maybe someone donated and then they had to stop donating, or if a volunteer came and they volunteered and then they had to leave, like all of that messed with me on a very deep level that was totally anxiety that, that now I understand. Yeah. Well,
0: if you're wrapping everything up into, this is the thing that I'm going to provide for people that I'm going to do with my life in order to be lovable. In order to be loved and accepted, then how do you, you? I mean, it's impossible to separate from that when that's the mode that you're in.
1: Yes, and I think that a homeless shelter or any any organization where you're dealing with helping people who have trauma is even more so because the if you go to a you know, let's say, say you're at a corporate job, you can like perform the activities and then you get some feedback. But when you're dealing with trauma, the people themselves are up and down and, and all over. And yeah. And that just added to it, never being able to feel like I was good enough. Absolutely. I think this
0: can work actually both ways, like helping people who have trauma. So this is basically anyone in the helping professions, but also if you are in a corporate, corporate office, for instance, and you're working with people who have trauma that have been able to mask it long enough in order to be successful in the corporate world, of, I mean, I think everyone has trauma to some yes, degree. it's true. It, then, you, then you go into work and you have this boss who makes you feel incredibly unstable because one day they're nice and friendly and normal and the next day they're a fucking wreck and you have no idea what
1: happened in the meantime. Yes. And that, that brings up your own area that you need to heal. Absolutely. And if you're, if you find yourself like feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or your self-worth is wrapped up in it, or so a lot of times what people say, instead of I'm anxious, and this is what I said. So I went to lots of therapists and the first therapist that I went to as Naomi house was closing, I'm like, I'm really mad at everybody. I want a pill or I want you to fix me. in like three months, like, what can you do for me? And she just laughed because yeah. she's like, cause I'm like, I don't want to go to my past. Just fix me That's right now. That's not how any of this works, Serena. <laughs> I know. She was laughing. And I knew, like, I knew I had come to the right place, first of all, and I knew it was going to take longer, but really I just wanted a quick fix. And, um, yeah. And that had, that was really good. So I did. Um, a traditional talk therapist and so anxiety looked like I was angry at everybody I was zoning out I couldn't be present and what I would say when I when I actually first had my um, got introduced to rapid transformational therapy is I can't show up and I can't be myself um, and be authentic like that's what I the words that I would use that now in retrospect, was anxiety. Like when I would show up and in a, into a group of people, I would place myself at the bottom of them. Like they're all better than me or anything I say isn't as good as what they're going to say. Or I have to go home and rehash all the conversations to make sure I did everything right. Yeah.
0: Yes. This makes sense to me as, as someone who um, also tends toward anxiety and that is one of the symptoms that comes up for me when I'm getting into burnout mode, it usually starts physical for me, it starts with some neck discomfort and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into anxiety. But when people think of anxiety, they think of just the thought process that's happening. But what you're saying, which feels true to me because I feel like this is true in my life as well. It's angry because I'm gonna get mad at other people first. So yes. that they can't be mad at me first. It's zoning out and not being present, just like you said. It's the inability to be authentic and be yourself. It's the constant rumination on not necessarily, like everybody says, you know, anxiety is about the future. Not necessarily. It's this constant rumination of I just did this event. Did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? It's this feeling like you're walking on eggshells. It's the space that you inhabit when you feel like it's possible that you did something wrong, and you're not exactly sure if you did something wrong, but you're afraid to bring it up because you kind of know that it sounds a little bit crazy. But if you don't bring it up, does that mean that you're practicing avoidance? And if you and you're just <laughs> stuck,
1: right? Yeah, I would have people that like. I would actually text them and be like, "I'm sorry, I said this." And they'd be like, uh, I don't remember you saying that. Like I assumed they were thinking about it or judging me and they like didn't even remember it. Yeah. But that I actually I just did thinking. this last week. Yes.
0: You know, and, and sometimes I mean, and this is my
1: job. And I still <laughs> fall into that fall into yeah. that trap, right? Yes. And and one of the big moments when I knew that I had that I had kind of rounded a corner was I I did this small group on uh, once a week. And I had a friend in that I would text her like a couple days later and be like, oh, should I apologize to them? I shouldn't have said that. Um, that was really dumb. And so after, uh, for me having this rapid transformational therapy session, I went to the small group and she, she texted me. She's like, hey, you're not asking like what you did wrong this week. <laughs> like what's <laughs> up? <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah. And that freedom was amazing. But yeah, it, it's also something I love that you're sharing that. And, and I still do too now. I'm in the process of moving across the country and I'm anxious. And I think sometimes the things that we do on the healing journey as we go, I want to get to this space where I never have problems ever, 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 you know, yeah. and I always feel great. And no matter what problem good. comes
0: my way, I will always see the silver lining and I will and transform all of my <laughs> negative emotions
1: into unicorns that shine out of my heart center. And that's how I will know I am truly arrived, right? Yes. <laughs> but there are Nirv- like hashtag Nirvana. The <laughs> so hashtag so enlightened. Yes. yes, and there's just things, and I tell my clients, they're like, "Well, you know, we had our session. I'm doing really good, but I'm I'm a little anxious because I'm changing jobs and getting a divorce. It's like, hello, you're supposed to be anxious, anxious when, you're, yeah. when you're changing jobs and and getting a divorce. That's part of our that's part of the program. Anxiety um, is also an emotion in yes. life. Yeah, but but when it's running every single thing and it's taking right. over your life, that's an issue. And that and that's totally where I was and where I'm not today, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. which is
0: why I'm not judging myself too harshly for having yes. this situation after an event um, last week because. I did. You're moving now across country. I just completed an international move. I just moved back to the States after 12 years in Europe. So i oh goodness, reverse culture shock. I, in, and in the midst of, of this move, I injured my Achilles. Um, so I had to have surgery. And so I'm not able to walk and I can't take care of myself and I can't start my
1: job because I can't stand up. You know, like, and you should uh, totally be able to like reframe that and be happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Talking about it and it's just, there's just a lot happening. So the fact yes. that my natural tendency towards anxiety that I have mostly worked out and in the majority of my life, Take care of with good meditative techniques and good um, in Chinese medicine, rituals calm the heart. So with ritual and with journaling and with gratefulness and mindfulness, I use all the tools. But when life is sometimes life is bigger than all your tools.
1: yeah absolutely and i think that it's it's the difference between having it overwhelming you or understanding and so it's it's being kind to yourself what where i was before my healing journey was i would beat myself up all the time and now i can go hey i'm i'm moving this is stressful i need a nap you know and i give myself a break and i'm kind to myself so my subconscious programming While I was running this, while I was running myself straight toward burnout, was I'm bad, I'm not good enough, and I'm not worthy.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now I can be a total mess and I can love myself and be kind to myself. And that programming has changed to I'm enough. I'm doing a good job. Look what I'm doing. I'm moving, you know, six people across the country. You just did an international move that's way huger and like just to be kind to yourself and take a nap and right and understand of course you might text somebody and do your old behavior for a minute yeah and exactly. I, I also tell clients that realize so part of the healing process as well is recognizing what you're doing so when you did that behavior when I did this behavior 12 years ago I didn't know I was doing it now I recognize it. That's the hugest thing. That's the biggest thing is understanding what you're doing, why you're doing it and giving yourself grace. You're not on autopilot anymore. You're aware. You're aware of what you're doing. You're aware you're stressed. You're aware this this will bring up anxiety. You're aware of all those things. To me, that's healing is being aware.
0: Yeah. Yeah. After this event last week, I called my mother and I was like, okay, so I'm shame spiraling (laughs) right but you know that that's that's what's happening and she was like okay why you know like let's go through it mom (laughs) yeah she's wonderful but you know it's just one of those things that yeah when you do know what's going on and you can there there's more distance between you and it
1: yes yeah the the awareness is just huge and and also I tell my clients as they're you know they just you know so for me I'm I'm a ways out from this place of being unaware and then kind of raising my hand and going, Okay, I see the enemy and it's me. I'm not gonna blame everybody else now. I need to change. Um, and that's a lifelong process. But when someone is just in that moment, I encourage them and say, Look, this thing used to run your life. Now it only ran two days. That's amazing. Or you used right. to be angry for a month and now you were only angry for five hours. Like that's amazing. You should encourage yourself about that. Yeah.
0: Notice the small things along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important too. And that's something that is a, a natural thing for me that I do with patients because, that's a natural part of chinese medicine when you are going from daily migraines you're not going to go from daily migraines to zero migraines you're likely going to go from daily migraines to migraines every other day to migraines every 4 days to migraines once a week to migraines two times a month to my, you know it's this it's this process so that part was always so natural for me because that's also present in in my training but i've found that it's really tough for people to
1: give themselves that grace. Yes. And there's, I mean, I think it's a big problem of comparison. It's expectations. It's society. It's all these things where we think we have to look this other way. And it, I mean, it boils down to, I'm not good enough yeah. in myself. So I need, I'll be good enough. We're looking to feel good enough. Yeah. So it's all a matter of where are you looking to get your worth? And if you're looking outside, there's a billion different areas of places you can compare and you're in not feel good enough. And it it has to come from inside where you realize, okay, I'm not as fancy as that person. I'm not as rich as that person. I'd really like to be, but I'm good enough. You know, my house isn't clean (laughs) or, you know, or I just did this stupid thing that I always do. And, and healing is saying, and I'm good enough. Like, I'm good enough right now as it. I'm just so, letting that sit for a moment so that that can sink
0: in for people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm good enough right now as is, regardless of circumstance, regardless of action, regardless of emotion, regardless of internal talk, regardless of other people's opinions, regardless of I am good enough right now
1: as is. I like that. So yeah. And uh, Marissa Peer is the the person who created rapid transformational therapy. And that's like the main mantra because it's so healing and it's true. It's the truth, you know? Yeah. And it's still so difficult. Yes. It takes forever to like get it (laughs) into our brains. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've said before, um, with uh, with people, it's it's like our whole society is designed to make us not feel good enough, right? What do you what do you have to do to get somebody to buy something? You yeah, have to make tell them feel bad about themselves. Enough. Yeah, yeah. So it's bombarding us. So it makes sense that it that it's not easy to keep it instilled all the time. Yeah, But it
0: requires a practice. And this is something that keeps coming back in these conversations. I have not spoken to anyone. You, this is the I think 20th or 21st interview that I'm doing, and I have not spoken to one person who has said, Yeah, I figured it all out, and then it all went away, right?
1: And uh, there's a, a friend of mine who's also uh, an RTT therapist who says, it's Like a shower, like you can't expect that you're not gonna get dirty, you no. know? Yeah, it, it, it's a practice, you gotta yeah do it, have a regular practice of checking in, being aware. For me, um, part of my practice, part of what I do for clients is um, a hypnosis transformational recording that they get to listen to. And it's fabulous to just make that part of your life something that you're telling, training, programming your mind how you want it to think instead of just being um, knee-jerk reactions to what's going on around us. It has to be a purposeful thinking about what you're thinking about and choosing good thoughts and healthy thoughts.
0: Are you making these individual for individual people or do you have
1: one that you send to all of mine are individual for each client, like what their specific needs are, but there's tons on YouTube if someone is looking. Yeah. Um, But having one that's specifically done for you, I think is an incredibly powerful thing. It is. And that's part of, you know, when I work with clients one-on-one. Yes. So you went through, you said, when you wrote to me, after five years, I was toast, I
0: didn't have the energy, we closed down the shelter, I drove the woman somewhere else, then I cried for a few months straight, I ate a ton of chocolate, I gained 30 pounds, and then I started my healing journey. And you already spoke to the fact that you did some talk therapy, and you did some other things along the way. So how did you end up at Rapid Transformational Therapy?
1: Yeah, Um, I remember one time we had a friend come for dinner, and he's like, "How are you doing?" And one of my girls said, "She hasn't cried that much today." (laughs) That was like progress. (laughs) And um, one thing I want to mention too is my kids like they hated my phone, and and my brother, my older brother, on the phone. He during all of this, um, he said, "It doesn't matter how many women you help if you're not there for your own kids." And those were just things that were. I think, important to mention and, and really took to heart. It took me a minute. At first, I was just mad at my brother. But then yeah, but it's piercing, was right? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's piercing. And, and some things we don't want to hear people tell us and we're really ticked about are things that are really, like they're doing it out of love. Um, so yeah, I what I what I realized that was driving this, getting my worth was I obviously I felt worthless. And that came from being abused by my father. And so as I went to different therapies, I found out, or different therapists, I found out um, that, yeah, I, my dad had molested me. And it was like, okay, now I understand why I'm doing these things, but I want to stop. It was still my drive, like, give me a pill, fix me. <laughs> I want to be better, right? We all want to be better. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really satisfied with just, well, you know, this is just why you're doing this. And it'll just be how you behave forever. I really wanted something to change my life and my behavior. And, and so I did, um, with one therapist did like a regression, Mm -hmm. uh, back to a scene and it was reach, it re-traumatized me. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I want to heal and I want to, I know that I need to go back in order to heal, but I don't think I can do it. Like it's too painful. And so I heard about rapid transformational therapy on a podcast explaining that when we grow up until age seven to 12, we're in alpha and theta brainwave state, which is hypnosis. It's the same right. brainwave state you go in, and when, you, when you're when you hypnotized and then you, you live your adult life in beta. And so in order to heal, it's incredibly effective to go to the alpha theta. That's where your subconscious lives. It runs 90% of your life and it's where your beliefs are held. And I, saw, I knew I was holding these beliefs that were keeping me stuck. But when I tried to go in my conscious, that was when it was re-traumatizing. And so I heard about this way that you go and you review your past, you don't relive it. And I was like, sign me up. I signed up the same day I heard about it. So I was like, cool. I know I need to go to my past. I don't want to re- relive it. I just want to review it. And so I did. And the way I think about it now is it's like uh, anesthesia. You know, like 200 years ago, there wasn't anesthesia. So if you needed surgery, you just had to bite a belt or something. Right. And and now what I understand about hypnosis is that it's, it's like anesthesia. You can, you can access your subconscious in a calm state and review, where you're really looking at something, not reliving it. Um, and that was new for me. My first introduction to hypnosis was like a high school graduation with a guy making people do weird things on yeah. stage. And they, they were, there was a, yeah. yeah, there was a huge disconnect of like, okay, hypnosis is helpful. But when I heard this explained scientifically, like it's just your brainwave, um, it's where your beliefs are held, and you can get in that calm state. And then when I experienced it, You know, it sealed the deal. I was just calm. I was able to go to specific memories where I was downloading the belief as a little kid that you're worthless and you're, and I shouldn't be here and I'm bad. And then I was able to reframe them in that same state of mind. And I got um, a recording that I listened to for 21 days. And that totally changed my life. And that's why I decided to learn and study and and become a practitioner myself. And I remember listening to the recording. We listened for twenty one days, and it was like day seventeen or eighteen. I remember just crying because I was like, "I can be nice to myself. Like I love myself. And that was so new um, and profound. and really, you know what it's all about. And I believe, different people do different healing modalities or books, or, you know, you were talking about stories. Like there are so many different ways to heal that align with different people. But that's the main thing is that you get to this place where you are loving yourself. And a couple of years before that, maybe three years before that, I had a therapist say you need to love your inner child. And I was like, I have zero idea with that. I don't means. even know what you're saying. I don't to know me what right you're now. Talking about. I never went back because I was like, I'm not gonna. What is? It, what do you do? Do you sit in a corner and rock yourself? Like I don't know, and I don't want to. <laughs> like, it sounds. But, it sounds creepy. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and and so I'm I'm finding myself like not not like a hesitant you know healer person because I really yeah. just like to get her done. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, get like accomplished a lot of things, and and healing is letting go, right? And yeah. so I've been learning reluctantly and happily because it's such a better way to live. But what I love is
0: that w- we talked about this in the beginning. You found this thing and it works for you, and you help people with it, and you use it, and you are well aware that no matter how powerful it is, if it's not resonating with someone, and you're not in that place, then it's not the right thing. Like you said, you know, you went to therapist and she said, well, heal your inner child. There might be some people that would have just run with that and been like, yes, I'm going to take a picture of myself. I'm going to put it in my wallet. I'm going to tell her I love her every day and I'm going to do, you know, and it would have worked. One of the things that I really want to do here is introduce people to enough different modalities that they realize that eventually, even if it's not something they hear on this podcast, that there is something out
1: there that will resonate with you that will help you heal. Yeah. And I really think life is healing us. I compare it to like the birth process, like that and the healing, like healing a broken bone. Those are built into humans that If you break a bone, like your body knows what to do when a woman is pregnant, like her body knows what to do. And I really think life is showing us and for each person, it's individual, this path, like you're going to bump into things that are going to lead you to healing. It's inevitable. I just, I believe that that might be a little idealistic, but I really believe that. (laughs) Um, and I also wanted to say like, so the things I do to prevent burnout now, because I think- I think we're called like some of us, we have these big dreams and visions and we try them out when we're younger in the wrong way <laughs> where we're going to like put on our super hero cape and save the world. And then when we get older, we're like, okay, I can still help a lot of people, but I don't have to be the savior. Like, you know, we get a healthier relationship with that. And now, and, and I get pictures. I just um, like when I, talk to my intuition when I'm, when I'm asking myself, you know, for the truth. And I, there's a couple different pictures that I've seen that have helped me as I relate to my clients. So I don't get into that burnout again, where I'm trying to be everything and do everything for them because there's enough need in the world to burn a lot, you know, to burn you out. If you're not careful is I just, I got this picture of like this whole group of people, like a hundred or 200 people. And they all needed healing. Like they could all benefit from my practice. And I just got this vision that I was only assigned to a few of them, maybe like five. And that gave me so much peace. Like my job isn't to save the world, it's just to be present for the people that I bump into, that I'm assigned to, that come to me. And that's helped me a ton at the end of the day when I know somebody's hurting and they're never going to do RTT or, you know, uh, they're, they're still going to be hurting at the end of the day, even though I want to help everyone that helps. Yeah. And the other picture I got is like, wherever, whoever does come to me, it's also not my job for the clients I do have to save them, even though they are coming to me is that this gift, like whatever healing modality we have, like you have acupuncture, Um, and I have rapid transformational therapy and and all of your amazing guests have, have different modalities. Like that's a gift and we give it to the other person and like, whatever they do with it, isn't my responsibility. Yeah. And that might sound harsh, but like, they may be in a place where they're ready to rip it open and use it and apply it to their life, or they might carry it around for a while and think it didn't work. Like our interaction didn't work. And then re- yeah. they might just be ready to realize it in five years. Yeah. Or they may drop it. Like my job at the end of the day. I know that I'm enough. And I've done enough. When I do my best to give the gift that I have. You know to give to other people. That's really helped me not burn out.
0: <laughs> yeah that's a huge huge thing. And it's something that. Especially when you start at such a young age. I mean you already had this, um, Naomi's house open, you know, when you were 25.
1: Yeah. Almost 26.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a really young age. And what I've noticed in a lot of people that I'm talking to is, and, and you said this sentence in the beginning, you said, I expected it to be one way. And we expect there's this expectation that we will, like you said, save people and when we go through that healing process of our own, we we come around to the other side knowing that, yes, there are gifts to give. And yes, there are pieces of us that are designed to be shared. And also, it is not our job to save the world. And this is something that I think happens, especially when you get into things like this at a young age. I mean, I finished acupuncture school. I was 24.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I was, on one hand, wanted to save the world because I learned... All the things that Chinese medicine is capable of. On the other hand, I needed to prove my value because, all, in addition to my programming, I was very young and I needed to prove myself. Most of my patients were older than me as soon as I started. Mm-hmm. Actually, all of my patients were older than me as <laughs> soon as I started. Right. And I didn't feel like, I, I kept thinking that if I went into an office and saw, saw this 24 year old girl, I would be like, What do you know? Right. How can you help me? So I, in, uh, to protect my ego and all of those things, I expected to be able to do everything. I expected myself to be able to do everything. And I was working with fertility. So every time somebody didn't get pregnant, it was a personal tragedy for me. Yes. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, they were also seeing four other doctors and having IVF, but it was my fault. Yeah, and it, exactly. but it wasn't my doing if it worked either. So I didn't get the credit, and if it worked, and I didn't get, you know, but I got the fault when it didn't. And I was just this crazy place of I felt like I was saving the world and I was killing myself. And I feel like there's so many people that burn out that started their careers or their lives with this expectation of making a difference, and then realizing that the way they were going about it was not sustainable and they weren't gonna make it. And having a breakdown around that and being like, well that well then what? <laughs> if not wow. that,
1: then what? Yeah. And it usually takes a few years mm-hmm. for it to fall apart and for you to let go of all the unrealistic expectations and heal and find your value apart from it. And then it and then life gives it back to you. For me, in this much more amazing, sustainable, powerful, healthy, healthy, powerful way that uh, I—that's so much better that I never would have ever known or expected. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book. Richard Rohr has a book about the two halves of life. Um, Oh, I don't know it. Okay, and I'm not remembering the title, but anyway, he talks about that, and he and he says. The bigger the mess you make when you're younger, the better your chance of finding the thing when you're older. You know what you were really looking for, and I love that. Well, amen <laughs> to that. I know it's so good because I I think what I love and I love about you know the other guests that I've listened to of you already is there's this common thread like we want to save the world and we're idealistic and for me I won't speak for anyone else pigheaded and, and, <laughs> and stubborn. And that's not a bad thing. Like for a while we throw away the baby with the bathwater when it all falls apart. And then we realize, oh, okay, that that was really good. And I think it's just age. I don't know. There's I think it's way. <laughs> I, I experience. Think, yeah. Experience that yeah. sometimes
0: comes with age, but but the what what I've seen happen most commonly in something that one of my teachers taught me is that most of your coping mechanisms work until around the age of 40 and around then they start to break down and you have to reevaluate how you're living and how you're functioning. But there are people that go through expedited versions. Yes. You know, for some people they get that wisdom and they get that clarity and they get those lessons when they're 22 or when they're 16 or when they're, you know, so it doesn't have to be, I feel like there are a lot of people that experience, most of what they're going to experience in, you know, ten the first ten years of their lives.
1: Yeah, I for sure had, you know, more, more than your share, of, more than my share, and I and I'm grateful. Like that's that's just my life. You know, I right. wouldn't trade it. So yeah, I think it's more the process than yeah. the age.
0: I think that there are people that have their gifts to give and have processed things. At an earlier age, and I also think that clarity comes from action. Like, you know, Marie Forley always says, clarity comes from action. So if we are able, the the earlier we are able to take action toward our own healing journey, the faster we're going to get to that place. But we can't do it just in our minds. We have to be actively participating in this yeah in this life experiment while we're here because you don't get to any sort of clarity until you're actually doing stuff and I think that once you get to that clarity you might hold on to it for a minute but then things get cloudy again and you have to dive into the deep waters again and and it might be easier because you have more tools and it might be less uh, heavy because you know how to do the things but I, I don't believe that you come out on into, you know, the magical field with the unicorns and the rainbows and then, you know, gallop off into the sunset every night.
1: No. And we're, we're always growing. Like, yeah, exactly. We wouldn't want that. I mean, who wants to sit around when they're 45 and go, I have arrived. So <laughs> yeah. not 45 years left. Like, I actually had
0: a, yeah, I had a patient when I was um, still in Prague who Really wanted to have a child, and she was single, which is fine. She was 43. She had enough money to do it, she had the resources she needed. But she said she wanted to have a child because she was depressed and she had already done everything. Mm. And I thought to myself, how is it possible that you've already done everything at 43 at the time I was, you know, 35? And I was thinking to myself, I don't even feel close. Like the more I learn, the less I know.
1: Yeah, how absolutely. do you feel like
0: you're done at forty-three? Like
1: an imagination problem. <laughs> there's <laughs> so many things to do. Yeah, and now I mean, our world moves so fast. There's things. I mean, there'll be things in five years that we don't even know about, right? And and yeah. there's so many amazing ways. Like I'm just enjoying. For me, it's really new to have an online community and family, and you know, all of this. on really enjoying that. And yeah, there's so much to do. There is so so many fun things. And every time you grow, you know, that's why I think business grows us because business demands you to keep growing or it dies, you know, but that's also, I think, really part of life that life changes and technology changes. And it does, it requires us to, to reevaluate. And then I also think this, like I said, life is this healing journey that you're going to, Feel like you've arrived and then life's going to go, well, there's a little bit more, honey, where you can be free. You can be free a little more. You can reach more people. You can have bigger impact or bigger audience. And all of that requires another deep dive, like you said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's shine the light into this dark corner over here and clean it out a little. Let's get the cobwebs out of this section. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Serena, this has been wonderful. Is there anything that you would like
1: to leave people with today? I I think just to trust. Like we trust when we break our leg that it's going to heal and I think to trust that life is leading you like in the right direction even if it's really messy right now like and you're going to run into things that are going to be part of your healing journey and to really Just believe that and not give up on that, you know, to have hope in that. Yeah. Keep your eyes open for the things that
0: will heal you. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Let's send some love and some thank you to Serena Talbot for being my wonderful guest today. I will include all of her information in the show notes. So should you feel like you need a rapid transformational therapy session, you will be able to find it as soon as is humanly possible just by clicking on a link. It will be super easy. I am so grateful for your ears, your time, and your energy that you spend here with us. So be sure to join the continued conversation over on Instagram at Fried the Burnout Podcast. Until next time. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more.